morning. It's great to see you all. My name is Neil McReynolds. I'm the pastor at this church, and I like to start every single message off with corny jokes. Today, I only have one of them, okay? Only one joke, so you're going to have to listen up. Listen up. Okay. Did you know that there's only one type of bagel that can fly? The plain bagel. Take that home with you. The plain bagel. Plain bagel. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Let's give it up for God. Well, today, the message title is Trick or Deceit. <laughs> Trick or Deceit. Have you guys ever been tricked before? Have you ever, have you ever had somebody trick you? Well, uh, no, you haven't. I used to work for a company where um, they loved playing tricks on me because I was the youngest employee, and my boss bought a brand, well, not brand new, but a pretty new BMW, and there was word going around the company that, like, I had done such a good job that the boss is going to give me his car for Christmas, and so I come over to their house, the whole family's around, and and they said, okay, Neil, it's time for your Christmas bonus. And I'm like, sweet, you know, grinning ear to ear. And he hands me a card, and I open up the card, and there's a check, you know, a decent little Christmas bonus, and a key. I walk out the front door. He walks me, and he says, you know what? That car right there, that Beamer, that's yours. I said, no way. I go over to the car, I stick the key, because it was locked, I stick the key in the door, it doesn't open. I'm like, this, doesn't, this isn't the right key, what are you doing? And he goes, no, not that one, the one in front, and there's a little Hot Wheels BMW sitting right in front of it. <laughs> got me, you got me. Has it, have you ever been tricked before in life, as we go through life, just different opportunities that we get tricked where you just say, got me. I remember saving my money up to finally buy a car. It was one of my first vehicles, and we went to the car dealership. I picked out the car. I paid cash, and then we drove it, and I made it three blocks to the gas station, go to turn it off and then turn it back on. It doesn't start, and nothing works in it. The, the actual cable of the car to put it in the drive broke. So at, in time, I'd put the emergency brake on and then get under the car and put it into drive and then take the emergency brake off. This was my life. But when I was at that gas station, I realized, you got me. Because I, I can't return this thing. It's done. It's, you know, I already bought it. You can't return that. You bet, get tricked in, sometimes in life. Today, I'm not going to necessarily talk about cars, but uh, I do want to talk about how the enemy loves to try to trip us up and trick us. Trick or deceit, and you'll be able to discover how you can determine, am I being tricked right now, or is this something that God's inviting me into? Is this, is this the word of the Lord? Is this God's voice in my life? Or is this something else trying to influence my life? Is this something trying to trip me up and trick me? In the book of Acts, we see that uh, Paul is actually going to have this encounter with a sorcerer. And so we're picking it up in Acts 13 today, and we're going to be in the Bible quite a bit today, okay? So if you have your Bible, we're going to have a fun time trying to keep up. 
Well, we're going to be in the Word a lot. We're picking it up in the middle of the book of Acts, and we have Paul and Barnabas, and they're getting sent out to go start a church because what hap- what's happening in the church of Antioch is beautiful, and it needs to be re- reproduced. How many of you believe that? If something is amazing and beautiful in a church, you should probably reproduce it. And so that's what's happening in the book of Acts. We're seeing God's Spirit move through the church, and so Paul and Barnabas are felt led by the Holy Spirit to go reach another city. And so we're going to pick it up, what happens when God's word is, is powerful and he's, he's using people, and then they're going to go reach another city. We're going to be looking at Acts 13.2. It says this, it says, While they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work in which I have called them. So after they have fasted and prayed, they, laid, they placed their hands on them and sent them off. Fasting and prayer helps you hear God's voice really clearly. If there's something that you're trying to distinguish, is this God's voice or is this like kind of my own agenda? Is this really where you're leading me, Lord? If you have a really big decision to make, I'd, I'd invite you to fast. Fast and pray, like really seek God's voice on it. And sometimes fasting isn't always food. For me, fasting is social media. I get so fed with so many people's voices that sometimes you just need to like cut that off and go, okay, God, what are you saying? So fasting and prayer uh, opened up the church's ears to send Paul and Barnabas off. The two of them sent on their way by the Holy Spirit, say, by the Holy Spirit, Two of them were sent on their way by the Holy Spirit, were sent to Seleucia, and sailed there from Cyprus. When they arrived at Salamis, they proclaimed the word of God in the Jewish synagogues. John was with them as their helper. So we always remember that we have Paul, which is, which is, you know, used to be Saul. So he's this like power-packed, like apostle, right? But for every great apostle, there's always a good pastor, For everyone that's moving something forward, there's always someone else that's a helper. Let me help with things. And so Paul has Barnabas, which Barnabas is a pastor. His word actually means encourager. And so we have Barnabas, but then we also have John, which is also a pastor, a helper. I want to help out in this ministry. So we have Paul leading the way, and then we have some helpers alongside him. They travel through the whole region, uh, through the whole island, until they came to Pappas. There they were met by a Jewish sorcerer and a false prophet named Bar-Jesus. Bar-Jesus means that it was actually the son of Jesus. Jesus is a common name at this time. It's not Jesus Christ, just the son of Jesus, Bar-Jesus. This is what the sorcerer's name is. Who was an attendant of the proconsul, Sergius, and Paulus. The proconsul, an intelligent man, in the message version, what it actually says, a a man full of himself, like he was, he was a really knowledgeable person. And so he actually sent for Barnabas and Saul because he wanted to hear the word of God. So it's not like he was really hungry. In other books, you know, in other chapters of Acts, we hear how um, the centurion was really hungry for the word of God and he really wanted to know it. So imagine this guy kind of like he's a really good Google search. And so he just wants knowledge, right? He just wants to hear about who's this Jesus, what's he doing, uh, what's he about, and so he sends for Barnabas and Saul because he wanted to hear the word of God. 
But Elymas, the, the sorcerer, for that is what his name means, opposed them and tried to turn the proconsul from the faith. Then Saul, who was also called Paul, filled with the Holy Spirit. Say, filled with the Holy Spirit with me. Filled with the Holy Spirit. Looked straight at Elmas and said, you are a child of the devil, of the enemy, of everything that is right. You are full of all kinds of deceit and trickery. Trick or deceit. <laughs> You'll remember that when people knock on your door tonight. Will you never stop perverting the right ways of the Lord? Man, that's tough, Paul. Like looking somebody straight in the eyes. You're full of trickery and deceit. You'll never stop perverting the right ways of the Lord. God doesn't use tricks and deceit. That, that's not in his wheelhouse. It's not, you, if you don't know if you're being, oh God, you, you really tricked me into something that was horrible for me. God doesn't use those. The enemy uses tricks and deceit. That's in his wheelhouse. That's all he has. Trickery and deceit. Trickery and deceit. Why do you think the sorcerer is using tricks and deceit? Well, I got the answer. Ooh, me, me. <laughs> because the enemy hasn't changed his game plan since the beginning of time. He, he's, he's never changed the game plan. That's literally all he has. He only has tricks and he has deceit to trick us into things and to deceive us. Look at Adam and Eve. In Genesis 2, we're going to look at this. In Genesis 2, we find Adam and Eve, and they used to live in the garden with God, where God was among them. God gave them everything. They had this beautiful life. The life that all of us are created to have is found in the book of Genesis and Adam and Eve. This is what God is restoring back. This is his kingdom come, heaven on earth, the garden. That's the beauty where God walks around us, among us. There's no sin. There's no shame. There's no darkness. And so we have the book of Adam and Eve in Genesis. Genesis 2 says, 2.16 says, And the Lord commanded the man, You are free to eat of any tree in this garden, but you must not eat of the tree of knowledge of good and evil, for when you eat of it, you will certainly die. Got it? Have everything you want, enjoy it all, but please stay away from that one tree. It's like God takes us, think of Thanksgiving and this amazing spread of turkey, mashed potatoes. It's going to be amazing, isn't it? Thank you, Jesus. And, and no Weight Watchers <laughs> on that day. And uh, gravy, corn. And then on the side of the table is this gallon of spoiled milk. Just a gallon of spoiled milk and the cap's off. And God's like, hey, Adam, Eve, enjoy it all. Have a feast. Enjoy it all. But you know that gallon of spoiled milk? Don't drink it. Because if you drink it, you will certainly die. 
Do you guys know the rest of this story? Yeah, what happens? They drink the milk. In chapter 3, 1, it says this, Now the serpent was more crafty than any wild animals the Lord had made. He said to the woman, Did God really say, You must not eat of the tree, of the tree in the garden? Deceit in its most natural form. Sentences that start with questioning God's word. If you know, if you, it, a little, if, if somebody's taking the word of God and kind of putting a twist on it, you might be getting ready to be deceived. Questioning God's provision. Did God really say you can't eat of every tree? Like, aren't you guys pretty hungry? Verse 2 says, The woman said to the serpent, We may eat of we may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, but God did say you must not eat of the tree in the middle of the garden, and you must not touch it, or you will die. You will certainly die, the serpent said to the woman. For God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be open, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil trickery. You're certainly going to die. I think God's holding something back from you. There's other stuff out there besides that, like what God has for your life. There's other things. He just doesn't want you to be like him. This is the very beginning of mankind. So Adam and Eve are totally tricked into eating of that tree, right? She takes the apple, she eats of it. Adam takes the apple, he eats of it. It's a trick. Sin enters the world. Because even from the beginning of time, God created man and woman to have a choice to choose him. Wouldn't life be so much easier if he didn't? ever thought about that? <laughs> here's one thing you can choose, and here's one thing you can choose. One of them's great for you. The other one's a gallon of spoiled milk. You choose. And they chose. And here we are. But then God sent Jesus into the world to completely redeem Adam and Eve's choice. Sends them into the world to redeem Adam and Eve's choice and so Jesus does everything that he invites us into, which he gets baptized, the heavens open up, and God says from the heavens, this is my son who I love, who I am well pleased. The Holy Spirit descends on him. Jesus, filled with the Spirit, full of his identity. What happens next? He goes into the wilderness because the enemy has to still try to trick and deceive. He doesn't have anything else in his handbook. His game plan is to trick and deceive. He tries it with Adam and Eve, and we see him try it with Jesus. We're going to look at Luke 1, or Luke 4, 1. It says, Jesus, full of the Spirit, left the Jordan, and he was led into the wilderness, where he spent 40 days and was tempted by the devil. He ate nothing during those days, and at the end of them, he was hungry. And the devil said to him, if you're really the Son of God, then tell this stone to become bread. Deceit. He tried with Adam and Eve, and now he's trying on God's own son, God in the flesh. 
if you're really the son of God, then is that really who you are? Then tell that stone to turn into bread. Let's hit on Jesus' identity. Let's see if he really believes he's God's own son, even though the heavens just opened up and God just said, this is my son. And Jesus answered, man shall not live by bread alone. Right? All of you non-carb eaters. The devil led him to a high place that showed him an instant kingdoms of the world. And he said to them, said to him, I will give you all authority and splendor because it has been given to me and I can give it to anyone I want. If you will worship me, it will all be yours. It's a trick, Jesus. If Jesus wanted all the kingdoms of the world, he would just take them. He's offering things that are already Jesus's. It's a trick. It's a deceit. He's trying to deceive them. If you just worship me, you could have all of this. And the truth of the matter is, is you don't get that. Sorrow and pain. That's what comes when when you actually bow on your knees and worship Satan and all the kingdoms of the world. And so he tricks Jesus. He tries tricking Jesus, but Jesus answered, it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. The devil led him to Jerusalem to stand on the highest point of the temple. If you're the son of God, you know, let's hit on his character and his identity one more time because he's been fasting for 40 days. Maybe he's getting a little weak. He says to him, throw yourself down from here, for it is written, he will command his angels concerning you to guard you carefully. They will lift you up by their hands so that you will not strike your foot against the stone. Remember what I said when the enemy takes the word of God and just twists it? That's what we see there. It's a deceit. It's a trick. Jesus answers to him and says, Do not put the Lord your God to a test. When the devil had finished all this tempting, he was left until he left until his opportune time. So as you can see, the sorcerer that is attacking Paul and Barnabas from the gospel being presented to all the nations, to all the people, for the church to completely keep expanding and keep reproducing disciples and keep seeing people get baptized. The sorcerer has just tapped into something that has gone on since the beginning of mankind, which is to try to trick people and try to deceive them. And even the enemy will use God's word to twist it so that people get tricked into things that cause harm onto other people. It's nothing new. So if he did it with Adam and Eve and he did it with Jesus and he did it against Paul and Barnabas, I can promise you he is trying to trick you and deceive you. That's the only tool he has in his tool belt is tricks and deceit. That's it. And so I hope that this message can just keep your head on a swivel. Is this God? God, are you inviting me into this? That you know God's word, that you know God's voice to know, am I being tricked right now? Am I being deceived? Or is this what God is doing? That you have that sense in your heart. When you're filled with the Holy Spirit, you can identify what is wrong. Oh, wow, like that doesn't feel right. And it's a, there's a reason stuff that, 
you know, comes our way that's starting to try to trick us doesn't feel right. It's the Holy Spirit, like, trying to wake us up. Hey, no, that's not me. That's not what I'm doing. There are two different areas I just want to share that I've dealt with personally the most. And I just want to, like, just be, like, really honest with you guys. This week has been a week from hell for me. <laughs> of course, you know, it's just been a really hard week, and, and it's so stupid. Hmm. I know that's going to happen. Every message I preach, I always feel like I have to live it first, which, thank you, Jesus. But there's another part of that, like, here I am, like, sharing with you guys this. This is powerful stuff. This is game-changer stuff. This is life-changing stuff. But yet alone, I still get tricked and deceived all the time, too. This entire week was like a series of I felt like Jesus in the wilderness, just tricked and deceived. There are two different ways that the enemy will try to trick you and deceive you. The first one is, is your identity. Your identity. He's going to try to trick you and deceive you to believing that you're something that you're not. It's our identity. If you tried on Jesus Christ... <laughs> Son of God, from heaven to earth, trust me when I say he is trying to trick you up with your identity. That you can find your identity in pleasing others better. Does anybody else deal with that? Oh, if I could just please more people, then if more people would like me for like what I bring to the table, then like I would actually be approved. Find our identity and be in there for others more. Oh, they really need me. It all comes down to works, right? To find our identity in works and what we're doing. Or finding our identity in things that happened to us when we were really young. Where our identity is wrapped up in that. I'm, I'm damaged goods. It's a trick. It's a deceit. God has created you new. He creates all things new. He's not wrapped up in what you do. He's wrapped up in you being a son and a daughter of his. Your identity is not found in what you can do for God. Your identity is found in just who he says you are. You are loved. You are cherished. He paid the highest price possible to pay for somebody, and he did that for us. Find our identity in Christ because it's a constant trick. The second trick in deceit is that you're alone, just kind of alone on this earth. Just kind of out there wandering on your way. Just out there trying to figure things out. When the devil came to Jesus in the wilderness and said, why don't you turn that bread or that stone into bread? What he was saying is, you got to make things happen on your own, Jesus. Because nobody else sees you out here. God doesn't see you. He's abandoned you. You're just on your own. You need to make things happen on your own. 
It's a trick. That we're all alone on this earth to try to figure things out. And we gotta, it's a doggy dog world. We gotta climb that ladder. We gotta make things happen. We, we gotta take care of us. Where God says, no, you're my son, you're my daughter, I'm going to take care of you. He's a good father. We're not alone. Jesus paid the ultimate price, but he also rose from the dead. And he also gave us the Holy Spirit who leads and guides our everyday life. We are not alone. We are filled with the Spirit of God. The same thing that was living in the temple, in the Ark of the Covenant, resides inside of us. And so we're not alone. We're not alone to make decisions on our own. We're not alone just kind of going through life and figuring things out. God wants to lead and guide us and take care of us. You're not alone. But I've realized that this is the number one trick. And I think last year taught us what it's like to be alone. Or feel like you're alone, right? It was tough. Isolation. And so I'm just amazed at how many people, when they're going through really hard times in life, like break away from community. Because that is what we do here. Spur one another on because we have the Holy Spirit residing in us and we can be Jesus to one another. And so when you're walking through a hard time, when you can't put on a smile and you can just maybe push the coffee thing and go and find a seat, still come and be in community when you're going through tough times. You're not alone, and this tells you that. Amen. So those are the number two tricks. Your identity, it's an identity crisis, and that we're alone. So now you know. Now we know. Now we know. What now? My invite is this. Live from God's identity and invite God into all situations. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Lord. I, man, I don't know what to do in this decision, God. Come, God. I, I, I definitely feel like I'm under attack. God, would you come in this situation? Just bring it to him. He's with you in all things. Stand firm on who God says you are and that he's with you.